Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. Today, the subject will be on substance. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And thank you all for joining us today. We'll start with our morning prayer. I'm just reading part of a prayer that Mrs. Eddie gave to her students. It's from page 60 of Divinity Course in General Collectania. Beloved Father, Mother God, give me wisdom to meet the problems I may have to meet today. Give me understanding to deny error and to proclaim the truth. Give me grace to keep silent when speech is unnecessary. There is no strife for truth. Risen truth will destroy error of every sort. And heaven is right here. God gives abundance of intelligence and opportunity. I cannot be impoverished mentally, physically, spiritually, or financially. God is substance, and I reflect that substance. Beautiful. Thank you. Watching point. Watching point 129. Watch lest you misunderstand the scientific process of eliminating matter and destroying the objects of sense. Realize that things appear to be material only because we have mistaken effect for cause and placed life, substance, and intelligence outside of ourselves as something apart from mind. When we learn the air of matter, we are liable to believe that God calls upon us to despise it. Thus we find students hating their bodies, hating money, hating their food, feeling that it is a mockery to have to fuss with matter so much. As a matter of fact, we should love money, love food, love our bodies as channels for God's spiritual ideas and realize that it is only a lie that tells us that they are material or channels for mortal mind. It is this lie that we are to hate and to destroy. When we love money, for instance, we are never to admit that it has passed from the realm of cause as an idea of substance down into effect or shadow. Our task is to withdraw from the objects of sense all belief of life, truth, intelligence, and substance in order to give these qualities back to mind where they belong. Then we can see all things in creation as symbols pointing to God, with God back of them. The objects of sense will then disappear as matter, and God's spiritual ideas will appear. And put. Thank you. I love that. I love that with God back of them. Yes. He writes a lot about that. Yes. Yeah. Any any comments on this? Well, I certainly came here with a lot of <laughs> a lot of 
hating my body and hating it. Um, well, not really caring about money and stuff like that. So it's has been good to learn to where the, the lie is and to start seeing everything correctly. So I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Yeah, and you didn't have the Christian science background because, um, you know, I got confused with that as I've said, where I thought, oh, well, it's nothing, so why should we spend so much time with it? And, yeah, it's just to be destroyed. It was a very wrong misconception. That's why I'm so grateful um, for Carpenter and the other early workers, Wilcox in particular, Martha Wilcox, for their explanations on this. So... We don't hate, we love more, and we, we see God in all things. And this idea of, uh, you know, making sure you don't mistake cause and effect is, is more of a challenge than it might appear in the surface. Because when you, you know, when you see yourself in the mirror or when you see someone else you know, the temptation is to see a material human person. And that's not what, that's not the truth. <laughs> Which is why, you know, we've talked about in the past, the whole, the, the whole objective, the whole uh, trick, if you will, is to have your vision cleared, is to see things correctly. That's what healing is. That's what, you know, that's what the right life is. And that is how you, you see things correctly and you understand what's going on. Lawrence, did you want to say something? No, I just like the idea of symbols, um, that all that we see really are symbols with God behind it. In other words, yes, as Gary is saying, if you see the spiritual right where the, the material so-called is, then we know that God is here. It is God that's here. Yes. See the God of it, so to speak. When, when the Bible, when it says glorify God in your body, in your spirit, that's what it's talking about. God seen instead of seeing the material as God. Thank you. And the, and the reason that works is because I go back to Florence's favorite statement, because God is all anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's all. So, and anything you see that's not of him is, is a misconception. That's why that beautiful quote, um, Jesus beheld in science, the perfect man, who appeared to him where sinning mortal man appeared to mortals. In this perfect man, the Savior saw God's own likeness, and this correct view of man healed the sick. You reach out, you appeal to that real man. You see God's own likeness no matter what the circumstances are. You know, these. there are a couple quotes I love from Mrs. Eddy. One is, um, someone said, it seems to me the claim constantly is that we cannot see spirit. And the answer was, 
my dear, you cannot see anything else but spirit. It would be impossible even if you tried. It's like if you see money, uh, what is the money? Is the ability to appreciate uh, food. What is that? It's a, a nourishment and, you know, seeing God in everything, in other words. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeremy? There was a story about Mrs. Eddie. I think it was teaching Adam Dickey that, you know, everything was spirit and he said he couldn't see it. And I think it was Laura Sargent told him outside the door she was trying to give you her teaching or something like that yeah. <laughs> so, but he he refused it at the time so. yeah she said she mrs eddie's trying to teach you but she tapped you <laughs> your spirit <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and there was another quote carrie sent me some beautiful things this week this was from there's a new book that actually eaglet sent to our church i wasn't familiar with it it's called We Knew Mary Baker Eddy Expanded First-Hand Accounts. And this was a quote from Laura Sargent, November 10th, 1907. Mother gave us a great lesson. She said, we do not abide under the shadow. We abide. The word should stop there. The translators misinterpreted the meaning. Divine substance is shadowless. We abide in the life that is substance, the truth that is substance, the love that is substance. We do not live in the idea. We live in the principle. There is but one. God and man are inseparable. So, and you know, we have the teachings of Laura Sargent, too. She, she has a lot of deep things she learned from Mrs. Eddy, because she was one of Mrs. Eddy's closest workers in her home, and uh, I got direct teaching from her. So, and then um, another quote I love in relation to the watching point two is from Mrs. Eddy in Collectani on page 117. If we do not control our possessions with the understanding they are spiritual, they will control us with the belief they are material. So what does that mean? Well, then you worry about them. If you think they're material, then you start, you you worry about them, you collect them, you think about them, and that's not good. No, and usually they, yeah, they give you all kinds of trouble because you're seeing them as material. Yeah, so there can be a lack of it. A lack or, of, you know, your computer's always breaking down, this, that, and the other thing, because you're seeing it as, as human. It gets hacked into this happens, that happens. If you see it as a spiritual idea of God, how could that happen? You know, your car's always breaking down. Lillian once had a car. I don't know how long it survived. She loved that car. Every day she would say how much she loved her car. <laughs> it lasted, I don't know, 20 years or something. So um, when you love your, your car or your washing machine or your computer and you're grateful for it and you see it as a blessing from God, it has longevity. <laughs> so, do the, so, so will your pets, so will your trees and plants and 
children, husband, whatever it is. You see it as spiritual idea. But if you don't, and you see it as a material belief, then it starts to <laughs> act like it. <laughs> you don't want that. And if we see it as idea, then we it's part of us, right? It, we include that idea. Yes. Because yes. man is the um, embodiment of right ideas, which yes. include the idea as part of. Which means you can never be without it. <laughs> it, it is part of you. Yes, thank you. Um. Another definition Louise sent in the dictionary, the definition of substance, um, that which underlies all outward manifestation. In the primary sense of this term, then, the substance of anything is the meaning or essence of it. <clears throat> and then essence, that which makes anything to be what it is, or the, rather the peculiar nature of a thing. And then this is a, from an article, What Does Substance Mean to You? Um, it's a, in a Sunday school student teacher teaching to her students. What is more important, the wood, ivory, and metal that constitutes the piano or the great music which is played on it? What is substantial, the paper, ink, and leather of a Bible or the Ten Commandments, 23rd Psalm, Sermon on the Mount, and the great truths recorded therein? So that article is called, What Does Substance Mean to You? So, yeah, substance being the essence, the essence, which is the idea of God, the representation of God. That's perfect, enduring, beautiful, and ever-present. Well, and that's really the importance of knowing the science because only then can you really know the essence of anything right uh -huh. now this lesson was so full of what i call the biblical the biblical rules of finance it's throughout the whole lesson and that's what we're going to talk about mainly today these biblical rules of finance um, poverty and lack, as Mrs. Eddy says, it, it shouldn't be tolerated. Um, Any more than disease or sin. Yes. It doesn't mean that we go seeking wealth and wanting bigger and better, but God provides certainly all our needs, and we should never lack. And we're going to go into a lot of that today. So... We'll start with the golden text. Craig, you can read it. Thank you. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Did everybody hear that? Oh. I just want to make did everybody hear it? Yes. yes. Okay, okay, good. Good. Yeah. Now I'm gonna um have I guess I'll have um Carol Reed, Imogen, wrote a most beautiful testimony about this, First Roots. And perhaps it's one of our first lessons on the biblical rules of finance. Go ahead. 
I love this week's lesson. Such a wonderful reminder to give our first fruits to the Lord. I love this reference from Corinthians. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Being born into poverty, for decades I struggled with a belief of lack. Lack of education, opportunities, lack of work, home, financial security, etc. But I never lacked love. I was always able to feel God's love protecting me, lifting me up, and showing me how to move forward. God's goodness led me to people who helped me, taught me, and showed me how to pray to God, who is our supply and substance. It was my belief in lack that needed correction. I had believed that lack was a thing. Thus, I was perpetuating it. I have since learned in Christian science many times that we lack nothing. In fact, lack does not exist. All that keeps it alive is our own thought. God made infinite supply to one and all. Looking back over those years, I am so grateful to Christian science, for God lifted me up and showed me how to worship him rightly so that my belief in lack could be removed and replaced with God's beautiful government and unfailing supply of all substance in my life. I continue to thank God and to learn the lesson that in Mrs. Eddy's words, that which material sense calls intangible is found to be substance. What to material sense seems substance becomes nothingness as the sense dream vanishes and reality appears. Since my belief in lack changed to the proper sense of God's government and supply, the scripture has been fulfilled in my life. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. The scriptures are correct. When we put God good first, when we turn from the worldly to fill our minds only with him, our lives attest to no lack of any good thing. Giving our first fruits to the Lord and seeing the results proves conclusively this law of substance, the law of God. Thank you, Plainfield Independent, for another glorious lesson this week. That's beautiful because she came from lack, didn't poverty and lack. It, it okay, we'll we'll go into the biblical rules of finance. She had she had love though. The talents. Remember the story of the talents. Everyone is given something. You've got something. So she loved. And in loving, love directed her and led her to people who could help her. And other things unfolded. I remember a time in my life when I lacked, I would say, and but I expressed to the greatest of my ability, yes, love and gratitude and other Christly qualities. And I was actually amazed at 
the people that came into my life to help me. I, I think that when you're in that state of thought, you attract it. On the other hand, if you're miserable and complaining and all of that, you will repel help. A biblical law of, of finance. Take the talent that you have and use it. Whatever it is, how small it is, it will expand itself. It will increase and, and express those qualities. Don't think of yourself as a miserable miser and a grump because <laughs> you will repel the good that God has for you. And she talks about the first fruits, and that's in the, in the golden text. What is the first fruit? Isn't it the best? The best. You're to honor the Lord with it. It goes with in, in Malachi, right? Malachi. That's the principle. Another principle of God is to give of your fruit, first fruits. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall be, not be room enough to receive it. We have that's, learned here. Go ahead, Florence. No, that's part of demonstrating sub supply, really, the tithing, I found. Definitely. You know. It's, it's putting your trust in God and giving your, your first fruits, your first 10% um, or, or whatever it is you feel you can do. And that's something we certainly don't require here, but we have all learned here, the ones in Plainfield, that, that you do, you, you reap. Um, and, and what does it really mean to honor the Lord? with your substance I mean what as a practical matter what are you doing when you honor the Lord with your substance giving him the gratitude that he gave it to you thank you you're thanking the source for the good that you have you're acknowledging God as the source and when you acknowledge that God as the source and thank him for the good that you have, well, guess what? He keeps giving it to you. <laughs> or not a matter of giving it to you like a parent gives to a child, but you open up, you open up the windows of heaven to receive more. Because in truth, there is an infinite supply of all good for every one of God's image and likeness, which is what you are. And the more you know you, your spirit and you dwell in spirit, because another lesson in this week's lesson is giving up all worldliness, which Shardy spoke to. Well, I thought about it, it, it from the eyes of a child also, a young, you know, a young teenager. What would they what would they think about this and worldliness? And I was surprised. I looked worldly and worldliness in the eighteen uh, in the Webster the early dictionary and it wasn't there. It's not there. So that said something to me. 
So I looked it up in a regular dictionary, and it talks about that it's human, that it's not, uh, let's see if I can see it, uh, not living in a spiritual existence uh, uh, and, and valuing that, that it's that worldliness is temporal and it's mortal and it's human. And then uh, real substance then is, that I went into that it's, this is all a gift, like, like Will said. This is a gift from God. And when we leave that worldliness, like, and we're all trying to do that, I feel, then you receive, like you just said, Gary, that, that uh, you're opening yourself up and you receive. Yes, because once you get into this worldly life, and maybe you enjoy it, going to, well, again, Mrs. Eddy talks about it in the lesson in Science and Health, take away wealth, fame, and social organizations, which weigh not one jot in the balance of God, and we get clearer views of principle, break up, break up cliques, level wealth with honesty, let worth be judged according to wisdom, and we get better views of humanity. But if you enjoy going out, enjoy mingling in the world and having your cocktails and uh, whatever people do, I don't know what they do, but whatever they do, it's all around us. Or being part of the, quote, right organizations. Yeah, organizations and Ivy League schools and all that you get into, you're drawn into it. Well, then you get into this worldly sense of supply as well. And they're the haves and the have-nots. And then, oh, yes, you've got to get your kid into the right school because otherwise he'll be a have-not. And, and you get into all that type of thinking. Now, when you're living in spirit, in the kingdom of heaven, there's enough for everybody because it's spiritual, right? How could anyone lack? And you, you begin to feel it and see it. It's hard to even explain because you have to do it in order to understand it. And then when you do it, you begin to understand it more. And you see how the things of the world aren't appealing to you at all anymore. In fact, they're downright disturbing. <laughs> so, and it's not living in some fantasy world. I mean, you know, Jesus was amongst the people, and we must too. We have to be amongst the people, but only to bless and to heal and to, and always to maintain our Christliness, not to, what is it, to be of it. We, we are we are in, in the world, in it, but not of it. We are, but we are not of the world. Yes, because once you do, you'll get into limitation and lack, and all the beliefs that the world tells you. All of which are wrong. They're just not true. Yeah, and yet the world goes into it. Now I'm going to read you. This was a, this is in first edition. Part of it we quoted in a in a watch this week. And I, Shardy told me I'd sent it out a while ago to people, which I hadn't remembered it, but it's, it's on page 192 to 193. It's very important. You may hide your ignorance of spiritual things from the eyes of the world, but can never gain the understanding and demonstration of the science of life without an honest, high, and God-given purpose. Honest, high, and God-given. You, you cannot demonstrate. She's saying you can't demonstrate science unless you have those things, a high, an honest, high, and God-given purpose. Now, you don't even, you, don't, you can know nothing about Christian science, and you can still have an honest, high, and God-given purpose. 
But what motivates it is your unselfish love for God and man. So God will lead it to you. You'll get it. Honest, high, and God-given. You can't understand the science unless you have it. I feel that's so profound to me. And then, and some of this you'll recognize from the 1910 edition of, of Science and Health. It's worded differently, though. Sin is thought before it is deed, and you must master it in the first, or it conquers you in the second instance. Jesus said to look with foul desire on forbidden objects breaks a moral precept. Hence, the stress he laid on the character of a man that is hidden from our perception. Evil thoughts reach farther and do more harm than individual crimes. Think about that. For they impregnate other minds and fashion your body. The atmosphere of impure desires like the atmosphere of earth, is restless, ever in motion, and calling on some object. This atmosphere is laden with mental poison and contaminates all it touches. This is what happens when you get out in the world and you're not thinking Christly thoughts. When malicious purpose evil thoughts or lusts go forth from one mind, they seek others and will lodge in them unless repelled by virtue and a higher motive for being. Virtue, a higher motive for being. Here again, this is why your honest, high, and God-given purpose is so important. It's a protection you're working for God, whatever it is you're doing, if, if you're doing it for his glory, it's a protection. The era can't find you. You're probably too busy with what the good you have to do, so you're just not a target. You're not all thinking lustful, envious thoughts yourself. It's so important. This is living the science. This makes a connection from reading it to doing it. You've got to do it. So, then all mental emanations take root and bear fruit after their own kind. And then, consider then the guilt of nurturing evil and impure thoughts that send broadcast discord and moral death. Now, this is true, too, for all, any people, any ones that we know, because we know there's so much corruption going on. If people's lives are not honest, high, and God-given, if they're in big pharmaceutical or whatever they are, trying to make lots of money, lying to people, do you think they're going to get anywhere? We can just stand back and let it self-destruct itself. Because it will. It will. Oh, we just know it will, because it will. The arrow will destroy itself. People without that honest, high, and God-given purpose is a dangerous place to be. So, and, and we can expect it and demand it yeah. and look forward to its destruction. Luckily, our, our, our work is like fishes of men. People that are maybe think that uh, they're 
are drawn to this, they will turn around. I pray in the evenings that as they rest, they hear the angel thoughts that mm-hmm. they come to me, you know, instead of believing all this crap they, they see in the news and the advertisements. Thank you. Just an aside, one years ago when I was a young fella, and, and it perhaps everybody, I was just riding my bicycle and uh, was a Christian scientist. And a thought came to me, why am I here? You know, everything is working beautifully. God gave me so much. I didn't, wasn't rich or but I felt like I had so much. And and I said, why am I here? And then, so at that point, I realized there's got to be a purpose for, for things working out well. So, you know, and I'm sure if everybody should get that thought and then, you know, refocus themselves. Thank you. And that's a good thing to know that everyone will get that thought because everyone is is uh, has the mind of Christ. That's why it's so important to be knowing that they'll get that thought and they'll want to do good. And we're all given various things to do and everyone has something different to do. And also to know that uh, I love that uh, saying before the watches to know that evil minds and hypnotism do not rule this world, or men, or govern men, it says. Even now, it is God who governs men. Thank you. Powerful watch. We have it on every time you get a unity watch. It's on there for Mrs. Eddie. Because it, all it is is illusion and hypnotism. It's never the truth. It's witchcraft. It's a form of witchcraft that would get people seeking and doing and living in this alternate Adam dream universe, so to speak. Manipulate, intimidate, and dominate. Exactly. Yeah. So prayer seems to be so important. When we pray, we are in a state of mind where those thoughts just by us. <laughs> and, 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 and for at least for a good period, we're at you know, peace with God and in safety, too. Thank you. Mary, thank you for bringing all these reading. And um, can you please uh, let me know where you read this, the one that had so much about atmosphere and the one that you just read? Where it's was it? First, first edition of Science and Health, pages 192 to 193. Thank you. Thank you for bringing it up. Yes. So, I mean, this is another biblical rule of finance to have an honest, high, God-given purpose. How you can't succeed in any way if you don't. And even, for instance, with Mrs. Eddie, you know, it, it looked like she wasn't succeeding. She was poor as could be, right? For how long? Didn't even have a place to live. But eventually, when you've got, when you're doing something good for mankind, it will blossom. And, and maybe you get bounced around a lot, but eventually it will blossom. While the other, what they might flourish is the green bay tree. Thank you, is the green bay tree, but crash, it will. They get out on the branch and they're sawing behind themselves. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we don't wish that for anybody, but it, it, it's what happens. And, um, and, and that's the importance of the Bible and the science and health because it teaches us these lessons so we don't have to go down that road. But there are, you know, there are examples, aren't there? Businesses that are started with a, a high and God-given purpose. And if they maintain that purpose... It continues to flourish. If they lose that purpose, 
the business goes downhill. Our nation was established with a high and God-given purpose. If we maintain that high and God-given purpose in our government, it and will in continue, our lives. and in our lives, it will flourish. But if we don't, if we succumb to getting the Bible out of our schools and out of our government, if we succumb to the satanic practices of some politicians that are trying to take over, well, guess what? We will lose everything that we currently enjoy. I think the article character by Mary Baker Eddy is a good one. Yes, character by Mary Baker Eddy. We can put it on the carousel. It's our character. And it, it comes, it's our nation, our world, but it, it, it works individually. Where are we individually on this? And what our country was based on were the principles of, of Christ Christianity. The Sermon on the Mount, the Ten Commandments, the, the was, Bible was read in every home during those days. And that is what enabled Christian science to be discovered and founded in this country. It could not have been discovered and founded anywhere else in the world. Because no other place in the world was established on the foundation of Christ's Christianity. And at that time, she had the rules, the laws in the government that protected what she was doing. And she has acknowledged that. She knew, she knew it. So it doesn't mean, you know, that we're a superior nation. This is just factual, just how it is. And this is why so many people want to come here, why people or they have in the past, because we're losing a lot of these things. If we're grateful for it, though, we cannot lose it. That was a principle, another principle of biblical rules of finance. Mrs. Ed Evans taught us that. If you're grateful for something, you don't lose it. When you're not grateful, you will lose it. I mean, and by grateful, I mean grateful to God who gave it to you and see him as the source and acknowledge it, um, which is going to, we're going to come into another lesson soon, but uh, right now, another principle, uh, and this was something that Louise wrote about, most important in this discussion is, excuse me, not Louise, Patricia in Canada. She writes, it all starts with God. God is the owner of all. God gives loans to man abundantly. Health, freedom, wisdom, love, science, dominion, protection, perfection, and daily needs. Then she refers to Psalm 37. God lendeth, man borrows, reflects, gives back, returns the loan abundantly in kind. Man acknowledges that God is the true owner. Man is always indebted to, grateful for life's great, great gift, because God is always giving. And then conditions of borrowing the loan. Do that which is good, be perfect, be righteous, be honest, keep the commandments, be humble. Know that neither you nor any material thing are the source. Give thanks to the source. Love, love, teach, heal, share, pay back. 
we we start from this god owns it all we don't own anything you might live in a house for a while right and then maybe you think you own it but it's god owns it and and that's why we pay respect that's why we don't trash our earth someone was speaking about the earth groaning um we don't trash the earth we don't trash the animals and people on this earth they must be treated with love and respect god owns it all and if you see god in all things as we talked about earlier you will respect it you know there's that saying if you ever go anywhere visit a person or go even to a hotel or motel visit visit the beach that the place should be more beautiful and better than before you were there you make it better by your presence you don't throw garbage around and you don't trash things you respect and love everything because god owns it all and we must never forget that we own nothing the story of the what the man with the barn and he thought he's bigger and better and oh, then yeah. he mm-hmm. fool. How fool. <laughs> you can't take all that stuff with you <laughs> not happening so very basic in the biblical rules of finance and that idea we were taught here that you carol what is it about the bank of god uh the good you do good thoughts and whatnot you're putting that in the bank of god and then when you get a time when you need those those things you need a little uh a little good thought you need a little a little uplift you can withdraw right from that bank thank you yes and that is what patricia was talking about the reflecting and the loaning and borrowing when you living a righteous life it's like you you build up in the bank of god and when you really need it it's there for you while if you're not and then you really need it whoops nothing's there so um Anyway. The midnight call. I never knew you. Pardon me. The oil. Oh, the, the midnight, midnight call. I the never midnight knew call. You. Yes, yes. So now the response. And that also, go ahead. And that also, let's remember, includes when we say respect the animals. How much respect is it to enslave them and have them prisoners and then slaughter them? Because we can talk about respect and love and be doing these things to any being. When he says, you shall not kill, it doesn't say you shall not kill humans. It says you shall not kill. And yet, millions of animals are killed, slaughtered, as they rightfully call it, every minute. And this is a reality right now. And if we want to be the loving, compassionate image and likeness of God, we cannot be doing these things. The, the, the industry would like it to appear that that's okay. And of course, we've been programmed for that for centuries, that it's okay, that's what we do. It was nothing different from when uh, the white man thought that the black man was here for them and enslaved them and killed them and did everything. This is just another thing exactly like that. And we have to become very aware of that because if the students of Christian science that can reflect so perfectly well the image and likeness of a loving, compassionate God are doing that, we're not living 
the pure Christianity, and we're not practicing Christian science. No matter how much we like it or don't like it, it doesn't matter. I, I I'm thank loving you. sharing this. Yeah. Yes. I thank you. I know. I my my uh, animal <laughs> rights daughter-in-law, and she'll say that about Christians. I mean, she's Russian. She's from an atheist country, but. You know, she's Christians. Well, they they slaughter and eat animals. <laughs> so what's with all this love? Um, I, I mean, and all the Christians that we know who had slaves and, and were just terrible. What's with that? So it, this is a disconnect. And, and yeah. some of these things, maybe we're not there yet, but we can at least start to approach it and understand it. And if you ever see any of the pictures, that's one thing when the animals used to live on farms and just grazed and but my gosh this mass production and what they do mm. to the animals this i mean yeah it's, it's pretty there is a i'm sorry there, there is a documentary that is so essential for all of us that want to be and reflect that image and likeness of god which is all we are we know it's called a prayer for compassion it is so important and essential to do that as any of the great materials we have in Christian science. A prayer for compassion, please, please watch that. Thank you. Well, thank you. Now, in the responsive reading, there are more rules of the biblical rules of finance, the trust in the Lord, some of we talked about. You've got to trust him. You can't not trust him. You've got to trust him. Do good. Delight thyself in the Lord. That means a high degree of pleasure or satisfaction. Do you really enjoy spending time with God, doing your lesson, or is it drudgery? Do you love the things of the Spirit? If you delight yourself in the Lord, it says he will give you the desires of your heart. And then better to have a little and be righteous than have all this, you know, fortune and be wicked. God knows the day of the upright, their inheritance shall be forever. You can't be without. And then he, your seed is, is um, blessed. Those you love are blessed. And in the story of Abraham, Abram, we see this, don't we? It's a wonderful story. Um, and he was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. What did you write about it, Linda? Well, uh, what, what I was writing about was how much faith and trust that Abram had because he had to keep going forward and he left so homes. And uh, what I just thought was interesting in the story is that I think the promise that uh, Lot would have stayed with him, he would have been part of that promise, that mission that Abram was on. They did. They could have worked out this difference, I believe. But what the, what you saw is that when they separate separated Lot put his tent facing Sodom. And the first thing that Abraham did was build a law altar to the Lord. And so that's where they kind of parted. Um, so I was, but you know, he, he had many, Abraham saved lot a couple of times. And yes. Yes. And, and, and look at how Abraham, his pure heart, he was so blessed. He had an abundance of all things, but he always did the right thing. Carrie sent me this, um, beautiful article called Abram's Faith, and it said, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee. And Abraham was preaching the gospel of peace, peace, 
which is always preaching scientifically, when he declared his determination to follow in the footsteps of harmony in opposition to the discord and dissensions existing among the herdsmen. He didn't get into it. That would be the worldly way. He did the right thing, said, you choose. It may be possible, and it is quite possible, that in his interview with Lot and the keepers of the flocks, the events of the future were not clearly defined in his consciousness, but of one thing he seems to have been fully cognizant of. Whereas God had communicated to him a line of conduct or a plan of life for himself and his descendants to observe and follow, it was his natural conviction to trust God, thereby demonstrating that faith in the promises of God is of vital importance in each vid in the individual life at all times and in all places and under all circumstances. Mm -hmm. Off to any man and nation comes the moment to decide. <laughs> Are you going to trust God, even though it might have appeared to him he was taking the not the best of the land? He trusted God. He did the right thing. And in trusting God, he was blessed, incredibly blessed. In our own Abrahamic consciousness must arise the principles of obedience, first of all. So trusting and then obedient. And then, he, you know, he fell on his face, worshiping God in truth. He, he knew God was supreme. And, um, and then it said his supreme love to God but then also for mankind, and that included the inhabitants of the city noted for iniquity. This was the love, trust, and obedience, biblical rules of finance. But you've got to walk the walk. You can't read about it. It's got to so be lived, and you've got to do it not because you're thinking, oh, I'm going to get great blessings if I do this. Now that'll ruin the whole thing. Got You do it because it's right. And then this article also goes on to say about it's easy to have faith in material things, right? You can trust the medical, you can trust this, and that's what most people do. But to trust spirit, what seems to be the unseen, ah, there's the rub. But Abraham did. He did. And other rules, God loves a cheerful giver. That was written about, too, to give. And then Carrie wrote something beautifully about um, um, what is it now? Oh, I've lost it. But anyway, oh, about the increase, God giving the increase, and that how sometimes we sow seeds. And we don't know where they'll where they'll take root. What'll happen? Maybe we won't be here when it does happen, but it will happen because God gives the increase. And, and this we must do. Sow our seeds. A beautiful hymn, God's Blessings Manifold. Um, very important because he that ministereth seed to the sower both minister bread for your food and multiplied your seed sown and increased the fruits of your righteousness. So, And that's because truth is always the victor. That was another part of Abraham that I love was that Lot. This is before he had a child, so Lot was like his son. And he yes. probably saw promise. Lot came with him, and then we just read it. It was eventually 
it was <laughs> just what you just read was so beautiful to me about this. He will be uh, blessed. And, you know, he had no idea at that point ever to even know what he was going to have. So that must have been very hard to, the, you know, this son. <laughs> yes. And Mrs. Eddy also says we lose nothing by giving yeah. because God pays back the scientific giver. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now Gary's going to read this something also that Carrie sent that I think is very apropos for this lesson and for, for now. This is an article from the August 1898 Christian Science Journal by Richard P. Verrill. And it begins with a quote from Jeremiah 9. Title. Yeah, titled, Boastfulness and Humility. And it begins with a quote from Jeremiah 9, 23, 24. Quote, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. End quote. And then the article says, Some years ago I read two stories in a book of biographies that made a deep impression upon my mind. But in the light of Christian science, they seem to have a fuller and more significant meaning than ever before. The first was the life story of Wynne Stanley, the builder of the second of the three lighthouses erected on the Eddystone Rock on the coast of Cornwall in the English Channel. After the first lighthouse had been destroyed, he came forward with plans which he confidently submitted for approval. He declared that he could erect a building proof against the most extreme tests from wind and wave. Ultimately, the contract was awarded to him. Operations were thereupon commenced at once, and with all possible speed, the structure was brought to completion. To prove to the world his full confidence in his own work, Mr. Stanley volunteered to stay in the lighthouse for the first two weeks in October, during the equinoctial gales, which is considered the most severe season of the year. The proposal was agreed to and Wynn Stanley was safely housed with ample stores when the winds began to blow and the waves rose higher and higher. Soon the night came on. The people on the shore saw the beacon light shining brightly out at sea, but it lasted only for a short season. In the morning, they looked towards the rock for the lighthouse, but it was not there. Some wreckage on the shore told the tale. Beams and timbers were washed up upon the beach, but nothing was ever heard of the man whose work had been tested and found wanting. Wynne Stanley has been forgotten, except when cited as an example of the folly of boastfulness. The second story is an account of the work of Thomas Telford, the builder and designer of this beautiful suspension bridge that crosses the Menai Straits in North Wales. At that time, this great engineering achievement was looked upon as one of the seven wonders of the world. It was then by far the greatest span in existence. Mr. Telford, unlike our former acquaintance, was a man of retirement. His great industry, skill, and engineering ability were known by their results. 
After having met and overcome all the many problems incident to this vast undertaking, the work was last brought, at last brought to a successful termination. A day was fixed for the opening ceremony and representative of, the, of most of the countries in Europe were present to witness this triumph of modern construction. At the banquet following the opening of the bridge, a vote of congratulation was passed to the man whose untiring perseverance had broken down so many human limitations and had risen above all precedent in the history of his profession. Mr. Telford, however, could not be found. A messenger was at last dispatched to his house. Receiving no answer, he entered the half-open door. But seeing no one within, he went back to the back of the house and there found the hero of our store on his knees in prayer, thanking God from the fullness of his heart for the wisdom and strength that had been given to him during the accomplishment of his work. Mr. Telford's name will go down to posterity in the many evidences of industry that lie left behind him. This bridge has done service for nearly a century. And when passing over it a few years ago, I saw no signs of decay or deterioration. Mrs. Eddy's powerful words on page 184 of her new publication, Miscellaneous Writings, connect these two stories and teach the true import of their lesson, namely, quote, if man should say of the power to be perfect which he possesses, I am the power, he would trespass, he would trespass upon divine science, yield to material sense, and lose his power, end quote. Thank you. Thank you. Abraham built an altar to the Lord. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.